This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The mountains have always been here, and in them, the bears. Rick Bass. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was solo. Um, I was hiking this trail called the Tonquin Valley in Jasper and I was coming up this section towards this camp called Switchback and I was doing a huge section of switchbacks and I just decided to crush this hill in one go and I got to the top and I was pretty gassed you know you get to the hill and you kind of head is down I was and I look up man there's literally a 650 pound grizzly bear about 20 feet away from me standing in the middle of the trail like I was I was so bad coming up the hill I did not even notice him ahead of me and I stood there and he looked at me and he huffed at me and just came like screaming towards me. I'm Doc and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest. We are once again talking to one of our neighbors to the north, a fellow weekend warrior, Matt St. Arnaud from Canada. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Matt. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Definitely happy to be here. All right. And do you go by, do you go by Maddie or Matt? Matthew? Uh, Matthias? I, I don't go by anything but Matthew. Um, the only person who ever called me Matthew was my dad or my grandparents. It was always when I was in trouble. Uh, I go by, everyone calls me either Matt or Maddie. It just depends on the person. People call me whatever they want to. So, okay. And, whatever, and whatever works for you. In your travels on the trails, have you picked up a trail name? 
Uh, you know what? I haven't. Um, trail names aren't really, they're not really a big thing up here in Canada. Um, I know it's big in the States when you guys do like the, the big through hikes and stuff, but uh, up here, the only real like big through hike in Western Canada is the Great Divide Trail. But um, it's, it's just vastly different from anything like the PCT or the AT. There's just not a huge amount of traffic. And like my good buddy Justin hiked it this past summer and he rarely saw people for more than, you know, just the time to pass them. So it's, you don't really have that chance to build up trail names, I guess. Right. What do you, what do you think, or what do Canadians think in general of the, the American long trails tradition of trail names? Because it's, you're right. It's not a thing up in Canada. It's not a thing in Europe. I've talked to a lot of Europeans and they're like, you know, what, what are you guys doing over there? Um, honestly, I think they're wicked. I think it's hilarious. Like I, I've got a couple of friends who've done some through hikes. Like my good friend, Devin did the PCT a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I give it a couple of their friends who've done the AT and they just, they had hilarious stories about how they got these trail names um, just to, to save them the embarrassment. I'm not going to dive into how they got their names because they were all in ridiculously embarrassing ways, but I thought it was hilarious. I, I think they're awesome. I, I wish we had it up here. Yeah. It's, but, a, stand, uh, it's, it's just, a, it's a standard question on the podcast here. I always, yeah. always want to find out what the trail name is and the story behind it. And then what I did for an episode earlier this season, or maybe it was last season, it all runs together now, but I did a trail names episode where it was just people telling their trail name and the story behind it. And there were some uh, really good stories. You know, we've got coming up on the pod soon. Um, we've got Mr. Fabulous. We've got Apple Pie. Uh, Quadzilla comes out uh, this, this Saturday. And uh, one of my favorite stories, though, probably the all-time great story of a trail name was 127. And he was hiking the AT. And he was up in, in the Northeast and he was on his own and he was crossing a bridge uh, made of logs and it was covered in leaves and detritus. And he, he stepped, it wasn't looking carefully where he stepped and his legs slipped through the, the logs in the bridge and his, his, he was, it was up to his thigh and he was stuck there and he, he could not pull himself out. He was thinking, okay, well, someone's going to come by in the next, you know, any minute now and they're going to help me yeah. out. And, and nobody came. And so he was sitting there and he, he finally kind of was able to move forward a little bit and get closer to the trail and, and get a rock and kind of use that rock to wedge between the, the logs and finally pry his leg out. But, uh, you know, people would ask him, you know, uh, what had happened, why he fell behind. And he tells a story and it was like, Oh, like, like that guy that had his arm pinned in the, in the movie and had to kind of cut, had to cut his arm up. No, 127 hours. And so for a while he was 127 hours and eventually it short got, got shortened down to, to one, two, seven. So. Yeah. See, it's like, that's so awesome. Like I love, I love, that's what I love about the trail names. Honestly, is like the backstory behind them all. Like, uh, yeah, like I, like I said, I'm not going to dive into my friend's names and stuff because <laughs> they're, they're, they're not necessarily PG 13. We'll say that's how most of my friends got their names, but, uh, yeah, the, the stories behind them are always good. I always get a good laugh out of them. I bet. Okay. Hey, have you had a chance to listen to the, any of the episodes on the podcast? Um, I had listened to a few last year. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't really had a ton of time for a whole lot of anything this year. Like I, I've honestly, I've hardly hiked at all this year, just with, uh, you know, the, the little one coming in in June, kind of put a big change into life. So yeah, my, my, time to to listen to podcasts and do all that kind of stuff is pretty much out the window right now your life changed in june and congratulations by the way thank you thank you it's it's been pretty much the awesomest thing i've ever done it's it's worth 
missing hiking for from time to time. So fantastic. And little boy or little girl? It's a little boy. Yeah. Does he have a trail name yet? Uh, not yet. No, nope. uh, he just goes by Maddox <laughs> or, okay. uh, or Nugs. Maddox or Nugs is what Nugs. he goes by. Nugs. Yeah. That, that's good. That's good. Yeah. His, his dad's pretty immature. And uh, I just called him a turd nugget the one day and Nugs just kind of stuck and he responds to it. So he's stuck with it now. He has accepted the trail name. Yep. With, <laughs> without even knowing. He, he has no idea the terrible choice he just made. Well, if dad's, if dad's immature, you guys are gonna have a great time together. Oh, I, I can't wait, man. That's like, I look forward to like just getting him out on trail and getting out on some backpacking trips and hikes and just, just like letting him explore and doing all the awesome things kids are supposed to do. I just, yep. I very much look forward to it. Nice. It's nice to hear that you're, you're going to pass down that tradition. Well, I, I hope so. I hope to, I, I hope to, I hope to raise him with uh, trekking poles instead of an iPad in his hand. That's, that's my hope or a hockey stick. A hockey stick would work for me too. But, okay. uh, <laughs> and is, uh, Mrs. Maddie, is, is she also a, a hiker? Um, not really. Uh, my fiance is more into like the like adventure obstacle course racing type mm. stuff, like the the Spartan races and right. all those you know like day long races where you're climbing under barbed wire and you know climbing up ropes and going over all these crazy obstacles and up and down mountains. And she she likes getting on the mountains, but she she goes at a much higher pace than me. I'm more at a walking pace, and she's running the entire way. So she sounds she sounds a bit extreme. Yeah, definitely. I've, uh, I've went to watch her race a couple times and it was like, I, I've seen pictures and stuff from her races before, but to actually see her do it, I was like blown away. I was like, I can't believe you did that. Like, that's pretty intense. So wow. kudos that's, to that's her. pretty cool stuff. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Hey, the only reason I asked if you had listened to any episodes was because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment towards the end of the episode called the pro tip inside of the week. That's where I will turn to you and ask you, Maddie, to share some trail wisdom uh, to help our listeners' next outdoor adventure be even better. So don't be surprised awesome. when we get there. And All right. it is typical for, for our guests to just drop trail wisdom throughout the episode, but you will be put on the spot to, to produce one towards the end. So don't, don't all use right. them all up in the episode. Looking forward to it. Put me on the spot. <laughs> all right. Hey, I, I've uh, also taken to talking about current events as of late with uh, okay. some of my guests. And I understand that there has been some serious cold up in your neck of the woods recently. Yeah. It's uh, as is customary for Canadian winters. We tend to get some pretty cold temperatures. We've been, uh, we've been dealing with like well below like, far colder than 30 below the last couple of weeks here. It's been, it's been pretty insane. It's been, yeah, just nonstop. Like, we had two weeks straight of like 30 below it warmed up to about freezing and then drop right off the face of the earth again to 30 below for another two weeks. And we just rolled out of that and we're above freezing now. So everything's melting and you get that big shock to the system, but yeah, right. it's, it's been, it's been crazy cold up here as it tends to get from time to time. Now, how far North are you? Where are you um, in Canada? So I'm in Edmonton. So I'm in sort of, I guess, central Western Canada. Like we're just North of Idaho. So I spend half my time at home and I, so I work one week, I'm home the next week. So when I'm working, I work up in Fort McMurray. So I'm up in like far Northern Canada. So we're up like almost, almost as North, like not quite Alaska North, but getting up there. Ooh. 
So how many, how many miles or kilometers is Fort, is it McMurray, Fort McMurray? Fort McMurray, yeah. From Edmonton. Uh, it's about 550 kilometers. I, I want to say it's about 350 miles. Okay. Might be, I might be off. Like sixty miles every hundred kilometers, something like that. Some, yes. Some quick math here. We'll call it three fifty. It's it's a couple hours drive. And for our listeners who didn't see that on on YouTube, I just want to assure you that he did not take his shoes off when he when he did, did that calculation. That was that was all mental right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? We actually don't wear shoes in the house in Canada. <laughs> just just socks. Nice. That's that's like one of the weirdest things I find when I go and visit friends in the States is like, I take my shoes off at the front door. That's just, that's a Canadian thing, I guess. And everybody looks at me like I'm really weird. I'm like, what are you doing? I'll keep your shoes on. <laughs> you don't wear shoes in the house. You're like, Hey, I'm making myself comfortable. Pretty much. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Now when it's 30 below, I mean, yep. what, what does that mean? Put that in terms that people can understand out there. What, I mean, that it's hard for me to, to fathom being from Southern California you know, 30 below, that's, that's something we watch on TV. We don't experience that. So what are some, what are some of the effects of 30 below? Any, any exposed skin is going to not feel very good real quick. Um, especially when you get the wind, like the, the big thing for us up here, like, I mean, I've, I've lived in Canada my whole life. I mean, I've, I've lived as far North as the Yukon for a number of years. So, I mean, I lived right up next to Alaska, you know, we'd hit, it wouldn't be abnormal to hit 50 below in the winter time. So for me, like the temperature isn't the big thing, but it's the wind. So like we, we kind of judge our weather up here a lot by the wind chill factor. So you're sitting at 30 below base temperature, but then you've got wind coming in and all of a sudden it feels like 40 below and it just, everything, everything hurts at that point, you know, like any exposed skin. Um, if you're not wearing clothing, that's going to block out the wind. It just, it hurts and it sucks. Um, you kind of, it just like adds to that winter depression where like it gets dark so early and then everything is just so like bitterly cold outside. Right. And now I, I have to imagine that not a lot of outdoor activities like backpacking or camping take place at 30 below. That would be ill-advised. I I'd be lying if I said I haven't done backpacking trips at 30 below. Um, I, I don't actively go in like seek those kind of temperatures anymore like i kind of draw the line at like like zero fahrenheit is roughly minus 20 celsius up here that's kind of where i draw the line like if if i'm going to go out on a backpacking trip even just a single night if the temperature is going to be anything colder than zero fahrenheit i'm probably going to pull the plug and i'll just find a different weekend to go i just i don't know getting weak in my old age i guess when i was younger i was whatever man 35 40 below let's do it boys but not anymore. That's funny. I, mean, I was, I was going to finish that sentence for you. You said I, I was just getting, and you said weak in, in your old age. I was going to say smart in your old age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I got caught out in a, for an overnight with my good friend Bo last winter. We were out at this lake. And uh, yeah, we, we hit overnight temperatures of minus 31. That was, that was pretty cold. That was not a, not an enjoyable get up and go pee at three in the morning kind of time. It, luckily we had, we had his hot tent with us, which was kind of nice. He's got one of those like ultralight hot tents with the titanium stove. So just throw a couple of sticks in there and get that going. And it warmed, warmed the teepee up really quick, but nice. it was, now, it was very, very bitterly cold. Now go and pee, night. go and pee at 3am. Does, does the pee freeze before it hits the ground? Uh, 
I mean, are you, are you putting down kind ice of. cubes, ice stream? It's it like, it's like, if you ever see those videos where you take like the hot cup of water and you throw it over your head and it just like evaporates. Right. Like, yeah, though, like that's the kind of, that's the kind of temperatures that we're out in. Like that's, that's 30 below, but uh, no, the, the, the pee just, it crystallizes the second it hits the ground. So it yeah. doesn't matter if you pee into the wind, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to soak your clothes. No, no, you're pretty safe. <laughs> One, one, of one of the benefits, benefits I guess. One yeah. of the benefits. One of the, one of the few. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh man. And so the cold snap has, has broken and you're back above yep. zero degrees Celsius. Yeah. Like it was, it was like five Celsius today. So like, that's like, I think 34 Fahrenheit. It was just above freezing, you know, just enough for my sidewalks to melt and all the snow on the side to melt and run onto the sidewalk. And then it's going to freeze. And it's going to be a skating rink on the sidewalk tomorrow morning. That's yeah. Now, Maddie, you as a Canadian, do you find yourself doing the math every time you go, you know, mileage or degrees that, you know, you're, you're giving out both Celsius and, and Fahrenheit kilometers and miles, you know, is that, is that, I've, is that common or is that you're just doing that for my benefit here? I, I've found like, with the with the youtube channel the the bulk of my audience tends to be american i think it's just the there's just more people in the in the states watching content on youtube and um i've just found just to find it easier to relate to people you know if i start dishing out numbers in celsius like i I get comments all the time like what's this what's this idiot talking about like what's this degree celsius crap so I, I just, I've gotten used to it. Like if, if I'm, you know, doing a gear review on something, I, I always do the conversion in grams and in ounces for the weight. And I've just kind of gotten used to the, the distance wise and the temperatures just try to, it just makes it easier. I think instead of, yeah. you know, expecting somebody else to go and bust out the calculator or the Google machine and figure it out for themselves. Yeah. You got, you got to dumb it down for us. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. And, and you know why, you know why there's more people in the States listening uh, than in Canada. It's because the internet's frozen at 30 degrees up there. So 30, 30 yes, below. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, that's why we had to reschedule for this week because it was too cold. <laughs> Finally, we get our signal Wi-Fi. through. <laughs> All right. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, outdoor vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Maddie, what, uh, what's your must bring piece of gear? Uh, absolutely would be my dog Wanda's backpack. Um, just t- taking her on a backpacking trip is, I mean, it, obviously not in like 30 below temperatures. She, she doesn't winter hike with me. I'm not going to put her through that, but, uh, if it's a summer backpacking trip, Wanda's backpack for sure. Okay. Um, and what she do you, rocks, uh, she ahead. rocks the canine pack from mountain Smith. Okay. And That's what do you make her carry? With. Uh, Wanda carries pretty much all of the gear that she's going to use all of her food. Um, the only things that I carry for her is anything bulky. So I'll carry like a little fleece blanket for her and I just roll up her sleeping pad and strap it to the bottom of my pack. But other than that, she carries like her own little rain jacket and towel and her booties, her food, her dishes, um, any like extra med supplies. I could carry like Benadryl and that kind of stuff. Any, like any med supplies that I could find that are like human and dog safe, I incorporate that in my first aid kit. So usually make her carry the first aid kit, that kind of stuff. She, she does her part. She doesn't get off easy. Okay. Does she carry her own tent as well? 
No, no, she sleeps in the tent with me. <laughs> no, or uh, well, I, I like I, I primarily hammock camp. I have this uh, this custom made bug net by this company Cave Creek out of uh, Arizona, and it's like a, a fully integrated bug net with a bathtub floor that goes over top of my hammock and right down to the ground. So it's it essentially turns like underneath my tarp of my hammock into like a tent that my hammock just hangs in. So she just gets like her own little spot underneath me. So she's on the ground level inside oh, yeah. the bug yes. net. Yeah. 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 Okay. And what kind of dog is Wanda? Uh, we call it the Alberta special. Um, she, she was a rescue off a of reserve up here. She's, uh, she's got some like border collie, some kind of retriever, a little, little mix, everything. She's uh she's just a mutt. So scraggly, filthy, long-haired mutt that likes rolling in the mud. Okay. How, how big is she? How much she weigh? Uh, she's about 55 pounds. Oh, good. That's a good size. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was, that was kind of ideal for me. I mean, when like we got her as a puppy and you know, when you're getting a rescued puppy, you don't really know how big they're going to get. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I definitely lucked out with her. She's like, perfect size, perfect agility level. Um, I mean, she can, she can walk for days. So yeah, it's just like perfect dog for me when it comes to hiking, very, very submissive. So very easy to train. Um, she does not wander whatsoever. Like she's yeah. Fantastic dog. I, I got zero complaints about my dog. Nice. And do, does she, does she, is she on a leash when you're out there or she's, she's roaming free and she stays close enough? Um, it depends if I'm hiking with her in the national parks, um, you have to have them, you have to have dogs leashed. That's the law mm-hmm. up here. Um, and in any provincial park. So like, that's like our state parks. Mm-hmm. Um, we have leash laws. Um, I do a lot of my hiking in like crown land or like our public lands. And there's no, depending on what areas you go to, a lot of them don't have leash rules. Um, I, I, I have no problem saying that my, my dog is better behaved on leash than like 95% of people's dogs off leash. Like she's like Wanda's, I mean, I, I spent a year almost every day taking her out to the dog park and just doing training, like keeping her focused on me so that we can go hiking with her off leash. Cause it's, it's more enjoyable for me when she's off leash, you know, like, I mean, she's no more than five feet away from me unless we're out with my friend Bo. And then I'll tell her like, okay, you go hike with Bo and she'll trot up ahead and she sticks about two feet behind him. But if I don't give her that command, she's about two feet behind me and she doesn't leave that spot. So I think you got it mixed up. I think you meant to say that she is better off leash than 95% of yes. dogs that are on leash. Yes. Honestly, she is like, yeah. I mean, we will come across people with other dogs and I don't even have to tell her to leave it. She just doesn't care. And, you know, you got this other dog like dragging their owner down the trail and they're like trying to stop them from getting to her. And she's just like, chill. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I guess I like to attribute it to training, but I mean, a lot of it, I just lucked out. Like she just, she, she got it right away. Like everything, everything instantly. Like it's, it's all single word commands with her. Like I can tell her Wanda in front and she'll just two feet in front of me. Or I can tell her Wanda behind and she's two feet behind me. I could, t- I could tell her to sit and stay and I could probably walk away for a day and she'd be in the same spot when I came back. So possible trail name for you, Milan. As in, <laughs> Maybe. As in Caesar Milan. Like Caesar, Caesar that, Milan. That's right. That's right. I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I tried training my other dog, Remy, that I have as well. And he's, uh, he's got a little more of the, the dominant strain to him. So him and him and I battle out on trail. But he's, I mean, he's a, you know, 100 pound shepherd. So, 
he, he likes to push his limits a little more, but her, she's just super submissive. So you think, you think you're training Remy and Remy thinks he's training you and uh, more or less the jury's still out. Exactly. Yeah. Well, he's, he's trained me for sure. He's, I mean, he's, (laughs) he's nine now. So he's, he's kind of in retirement age. He just does whatever he wants now. (laughs) He he earned it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Hey, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about gear. I've got, I got some questions for you. I call this the hiking pole and it's not P O L E it's a P O L L as in a survey. Sounds good. Cute turn of phrase there that I'm really proud of. I make sure I explain that every single time. Most of my guests don't don't really care. They're just like, okay, what's the questions? So, all I right. like it. It's good. It's witty. It's okay, good. thank thank you, thank you. My my uh, occasional co-host Chopper, he will he'll be glad to hear that somebody finally said, yeah, that's witty. I, that uh, really reinforces that for me. Thank you. Um, at the end of this poll, I got six questions for you, and at the end, I'm yep. going to give you a. This helps me give you a score on the crazy scale from okay. one to a, one to a hundred. So. Closer to hundred, the the saner you are, the the lower the score. All right, crazy you are. So here we go. We'll start off with an easy one. Uh, trekking poles. Yes uh, or no? I use I use a single trekking pole. Single. I, I can't pole. do I can't do the two pole thing. I tried it for a summer, and I think it lasted like three trips. And I just kept one strapped to my bag. But I always have one trekking pole with me. I like I was a I was a walking stick guy for years. Like I spent probably my first 15 years backpacking with just a walking stick. Like I just found a stick in the woods. It had a sweet little curve to it. And it just, that was my stick. And yeah, I upgraded to a trekking poles and I just use one trekking pole now. Maddie, do we think it's a coordination issue or just a personal preference? Uh, to me, it's just personal preference. Like okay. it's, I find like the, just the click of the trekking pole on the ground. It just like, you know, you've been out there on trail, you just almost like slip into it, right? Like I call it my trail coma. We're just like everything around you just kind of shuts off. And you just like focus on like getting from A to B. And that's just, yeah, just the, it's just kind of part of it, I guess. Okay. And is the pole in your right hand or left hand? Uh, right hand, usually. Right hand. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next question. Boots or trail runners? Trail runners. Not yet. Uh, boots in the wintertime, I guess, but trail runners in the summer. Not even a pause right there. No. Do you have a special brand of trail runners you prefer? Uh, anything with like a, a narrow toe box. Um, I know everybody loves the ultras for the wide toe box, but like I have like the narrowest feet ever. Like, um, yeah, like my, my fiance can wear my shoes. She has no problem fitting into my shoes. Like I, just, I have really narrow feet. So I went with the uh, first couple of pairs of trail runners I had were um, Solomon Speedcross 4s found those really comfortable, really aggressive tread. Um, so a lot of the, a lot of the trails we have up here in the Rockies, you get a lot of incline, um, kind of a lot of steep scree slopes and that kind of stuff. And the treads on those tend to work really well on that. Um, I don't like the new speed cross the Solomon's putting out. So I just made the move this year to, uh, the Bushido twos by La Sportiva. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Now I've asked you two questions and you've given what would be considered a pretty traditional answer with some qualifications on each one. So this is interesting. I like, I like how this is going. I, I, I'll, I'll give you the information and I'll back it up too. I'm not Perfect. just going to be one for. word answers. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. All right. You already gave this one away. I think uh, tent tarp or hammock. Uh, hammock with a tarp for sure. I mean, I, I, I will tent from time to time, but if I have the choice, I'll take a hammock hundred percent of the time. And so are all of your hikes taking place uh, below the tree line? 
Uh, most of my hikes take place above treeline. I just become selective with camp location now. Um, yeah, I just, I, I sleep way better in my hammock. Like I just, I've, I, I've developed some, some back and hip issues over the years. Um, I did a lot of extreme sports when I was younger mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, when I, when I tried out a friend's hammock a couple of years ago, like I was one of those people that thought hammocks were like, it's all nonsense, man. It's a fad. And we were out on an eight day trip and he had a hammock with him. And I, the best sleeps I had on that trip were the naps I took in his hammock in the middle of the day. And I got off trail that trip. And I think three days later, I ordered my first hammock and I've been doing it since. Now I forget which, which previous guest I was talking to, but we, he was also talking about uh, hammocks and the, the stress of trying to find the right campsite, especially when you do a lot of hiking above treeline. And, you know, they make trekking pole tents. We, he was, he was, yep. pine, he was pining for a, a trekking pole hammock. If that was uh, such a thing. But there, I, there is a thing out there now. There's, no. I can't remember what the company is. I want to say it's Tensa. They make this like really cool stand. That's like, it's like a V shaped stand, uh-huh. but they actually make, it's like a reinforced trekking pole specifically for being able to hang a hammock off of. Oh, I'm going to have to look that um, up. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's one of those things like, the trekking pole itself is too heavy that like I would never use it, but uh, yeah, the, that kind of stuff is out there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Sleeping bag or quilt? Uh, top quilt. Top quilt. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's lighter. It's more functional. I mean, even, even on the ground, you know, the, the couple times that I do go to ground, I take my top quilt and I've never had a draft issue. Um, I don't even use pad straps and I've never had a draft issue. So I just, I, I don't know. Like I, I get a lot of comments on my videos cause I've, I've done a bunch of videos talking about why top quilts are better than sleeping bags. And I always get comments about drafts and I, I I'm always perplexed because I mean, you know, the big thing is like people say to use the pad straps, but I, mean, I like my pad straps have been on that shelf behind me since the day I got my top quilt. They've never been on trail with me once and even sleeping on the ground. I've never had a draft with a quilt. Totally agree. Quilt's the way to go. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one really helps me separate the crazies from the, from the sane people. So be careful with this okay. one. Stove, cold soak, or stoveless? Uh, I go with the stove. Okay. Yeah. I've, I, I've tried, like, I tried going cold soak one time and it just, it was gross. I don't know. I, I like a hot meal at the end of the day. You know, like I, I'm not, I, I mean, to my friends, I'm like crazy ultralight, but I'm not, I'm not ultralight to the point where I'm going to give up my stove just yet. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll go with an alcohol stove, but uh, yeah, no, I, I need a hot meal or at least like a hot drink or something at the end of the day. Right. Totally with you on that one as well. All right. Now the American long trails, the AT, the PCT, the CDT, they all run uh, North to South or South to North. Yep. Uh, and so the last question on the hiking pole is, should the long trails be hiked northbound or southbound? Uh, all my friends that have done them, they all went northbound. Um, I mean, mo- like all my friends going down, right. Their big thing was like, I'm going to start wherever and hike up to Canada, you know, like starting in New Mexico on the CDT, come up to Canada or starting in Mexico on the PCT and come up to Canada. So yeah, they're just me, going, they're just going been, home at that point. Right. I'm, exactly. just walk, I'm just walking home. Exactly. So to me, it's always, it's northbound for sure. Okay. You got to, you got to head towards a better place, right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here, let me tally up the score, carry the four. 
Yeah, take that away. Yeah, solid 83. Solid I'll take 83. that. Yeah. I'll take an 83. 83 is it's solid, almost normal. That's good. That's, that's good. That's good. I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I'm Canadian, so it's probably all I can hope for. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, let's back up a little bit. We'd love to yep. hear about your, your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies. I think there's some hockey involved there uh, when, you were, when you were younger and how you got involved in the outdoor adventure cult. Uh, well, I guess starting off younger, there, there was a lot of hockey involved. That was uh, pretty much my life from when I was oh, as early as I can remember till I was about 15. That was like my one and only love was hockey. That's, you know, I mean, I, it probably football or baseball or basketball for you guys down in the States. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, for us up here, for most kind of normal-ish Canadians, I guess, yeah, it's, it's hockey. It's yeah. Just, Hey, Maddie, did you ever watch uh, Slapshot with Paul Newman? Yep. The hockey movie? That's a, that's a classic. Classic is right. You know, you yep. put a little tape on, on your, your glasses there in the middle. How, how long is your hair? Oh, my hair is down to about here now. Yeah. I so, I mean, you could be the fourth Hanson brother. Uh, I, I'd be lying if I said I've never done that before. That's <laughs> uh, uh, It's been probably probably three or four times I've gone as one of the Hanson brothers for Halloween at some nice. point. <laughs> yeah, or one of the one of the characters from the Mighty Ducks. That was a big thing growing mm-hmm. up as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hockey hockey was big for me. Um, like I grew up in Western Canada in the prairies, so I grew up in like a small farming town. Um, so we spent spent a lot of time kind of out on my grandparents' farm, working the farm. Um, you know, playing hockey, doing that kind of stuff. Um, I lived in the Yukon for a number of years. That was kind of where I kind of fell in love with the outdoors. Um, like I live, I, my dad and I moved up to Whitehorse. So we're about an hour from Anchorage, Alaska. And it was like an entirely different world than what I was used to. Like I, I went from like a small farming town where, I mean, back when I was growing up there, like, you know, it was not uncommon for some of the ranchers to like ride a horse right into town, you know, like the literally the general store in downtown that I grew up in, they literally had hitching posts up until a couple of years ago. You know, I mean, you, there was tractor parking in town if guys want to drive the tractors in town. And then I move up north and it's like the most remote place I've ever been. You know, I mean, it's like a city of, I think it was like 20,000 at the time. And I mean, it was, yeah, it was a totally different world. And I, you know, I didn't really have any friends up there. So like my dad and his buddies that he worked with were big into hunting. So my dad would drag me out with them on the weekends hunting and stuff. And I mean, I like was never like I was outdoorsy, but not really huge into the outdoors until I moved up there. And it was like, you know, sitting around the fire with them, like calling in moose and, you know, it was like, Oh, we need to start a fire. Matt, go start the fire. And it was kind of started from there. It's like, you know, playing around with fire and like just learning all these little like outdoorsy woodsman skills from these guys and like sleeping in tents and stuff. And then, yeah, I just, I don't like, I caught the bug hard and I got like hard into snowboarding and, um, just, yeah, I found some friends at school that were big into hiking and yeah, I got a job in the summer and used all my money and blew it on backpacking gear. <laughs> quit, like, like I literally fell in love with hiking so hard. I quit playing hockey so I could hike more. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Hiking cured you of hockey as a Canadian. That is, that's saying something right there. I, uh, well, I, I don't know if it cured me. Like if it's <laughs> like in my little like filming studio here, it's all hiking stuff. But like, if you look that way, like the other half of my basement is Oh, it's like a tribute to the Edmonton Oilers. Like it's like, a, like jerseys and signed pictures and flags and 
all over the walls. Like there's, yeah, it didn't, it didn't cure me of the hockey, but uh, just kind of gave me something else to do. So now let's go back to hockey. Um, you yep. said you grew up in the prairies of Western Canada and yep. you played, you played hockey. I, I imagine yep. there was a lot of outdoor hockey, right? You, oh yeah. There are ponds and, and uh, uh, yeah. Like, uh, like, you know, you'll like, I guess like when you watch movies in the States, like, you know, they're always like people playing outdoors and like outdoor basketball hoops and stuff. Right. Like up here, we have outdoor hockey rinks all over the place. I mean, there's the closest one to my house. I can walk two minutes from my house. And I have an outdoor hockey rink. I can go skate at, you know, it's got a little like heated shack. You can put your skates on in the warmth and you know, they, they go and they scrape the ice every day. Nice. Yeah. Lots of, lots of outdoor hockey. Um, like when I was talking about my grandparents' farm, they had a kind of a slough out back in the trees and every winter my grandpa would go and plow all the snow off there. He'd fill the water tank with hot water, run it over there and then dump hot water over there. And then you get that like nice glassy ice mm-hmm. of hockey tournaments every Christmas, with the whole family out there. And nice. yeah. it's like the, the Thanksgiving football games uh, that exactly happens, happens here in the States. A lot of times where family get together and, and playing, oh, yeah. playing football out there. And for you guys, it was, it was uh, hockey games. Fantastic. Yeah. For, for my family it was for sure. I mean, yeah, even, you know, getting into like into his late sixties, my grandpa was still strapping the skates on and getting out there and, you know, shooting the puck around a bit. It was pretty sweet. Hey, is it okay if I bring up a sore subject for the folks of Edmonton? No, you go right ahead. Okay. All right. So my parents grew up in the Midwest of the U S yeah. and they came out to Southern California, had me. And uh, I grew up wandering the aisles of the fabulous forum in Inglewood, California, the home of the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah. And so I was a big hockey fan from when, when I was little and I, I know I've got a few years on you. So I, I'm pretty sure you don't remember this, but uh, the LA Kings ended up getting Wayne Gretzky in a yep. blockbuster trade. And it actually, the trade took place after me and my girlfriend at the time had purchased, purchased season seats for the, for the Kings. So like a month after we got the season seats, then they got Gretzky. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, the timing could not have been better. But I I have to imagine that people are still probably a little bit bitter up there about that. Oh, man, every every August it comes up. You know, it's it's always like it's been this many years since the Oilers traded Gretzky. And like he's he he is he is God here. I mean, if you can I don't know if you can see the figurine, but I got Gretzky up on the shelf. He's, he's in every single one of my videos. Um, yeah, he's, he's still a legend up here. You know, I mean, Wayne, Wayne is loved in this city, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I can't imagine like the, the excitement to get a player like that. I mean, like, I guess, well, I guess, I guess here, like we have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl now in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty exciting, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I hear, I heard a lot of stories. Like my dad told me a lot of times, like he cried the day that they traded Gretzky. You know, like my, my family was season seats holders to the Oilers. Like I, I mean, if, if I look back on like any of my baby pictures, I'm wearing Oilers stuff in almost every single picture, you know, like mm-hmm. my, I was like raised in a kind of a hockey family. So. Yeah. I saw an Instagram post where there was a belly painted uh, yeah. like the Edmonton Oilers. That jersey. was, yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was my fiance. She, she painted up the belly with a, with an Oilers logo. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty awesome. Solid. Yes. Yeah. That was for, I think that was her playoffs last year. She painted her belly up. She's a keeper. Yeah, definitely. She, <laughs> she puts up with me. So yeah, she is. <laughs> All right. Hey, before we go to break, uh, you mentioned earlier that you spent a week at home and then a week driving 350 miles north 
what, what, how do you pay the bills? How do you, how do you, how are you funding um, your lifestyle? I, I'm a journeyman plumber. So I, I've, I've been plumbing for 16 years now. Um, yeah, it's, that's how I pretty much paid my bills since I was yeah, just out of high school. I got it. Well, I, I did a little bit of, I took a little bit of engineering in college university uh, decided that wasn't a life for me and I was just more apt at working with my hands and you know so I my my dad was in the trades my brothers are both in the trades um yeah just everything kind of worked out I one took this little aptitude testing and they were like yeah plumbing is probably the best fit for you so I started it and haven't finished yet man it is always nice to make friends with plumbers but I just wish you were a little bit closer yeah that's, that's what everybody tells me, you know, there's, there, there, there's no shortage of people calling me on a, almost a weekly basis for some kind of, hold on, you gotta, you gotta save me here. Yeah. I've, I've, I've bailed out a lot of my friends. That's for sure. You definitely are never, never short of, you know, people who want to keep your company. Right. And why do you have to drive 350 miles? There's no plumbing in town that you can work on. Uh, there there's work in town. Um, for a while there wasn't, uh, when, when COVID hit, um, we went through a pretty big recession. Like our, our lockdowns in Canada were, uh, far more extreme than they had in a lot of other places. I mean, not like, not like Australia extreme, but we were, we were pretty locked down. Um, a lot of, a lot of businesses were closing down. Um, a lot of home builders stopped building. And I, I spent a lot of years doing like the, the high pace, like residential housing, um, did a lot of service work. And I was just kind of looking for something different. And there was a job posting for work out of town. Um, it was supposed to be like a temporary thing. And when we, for my fiance and I, we talked about it and it was, it was more money. I mean, it paid quite a bit more money. So I thought, you know, why not I'll go out of town for, you know, a couple months, we can save up some money. And when the kid's here and I'll get a job in town. And after my son was born, um, we kind of talked about it. And like me, like with the rotation I have, I work seven days and I'm home seven days. So like I actually get more time with him by being gone for a week. You know, like, I mean, most nights, like I was, when I was working in town, I was getting home at like six thirty, seven o'clock. So just based on his bedtime, I'd see him for 30 minutes to an hour a night then see him on the weekends. But I mean, this way, you know, like I've, I've been home since last Wednesday and I've spent like every second I've been home hanging out with him on the living room floor. That's great. That's real smart. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Right. It works out. You know, it's, I mean, it like, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's more money. Um, and it's, yeah, just, it works out. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like, I like working half the year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some hiking in Canada. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. 
The John Freakin' Muir Pod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultralight. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. All right, welcome back. We are talking with Maddie St. Arnaud from the Great White North. Uh, and now we're going to get into some some. Canadian hiking. What kind? What kind of hiking opportunities are there in Canada? I mean, there's a lot of rugged wilderness up there. I have to imagine there's a lot of different types of hiking experiences you can you can get into. There is like there's endless amounts of hiking you can do up here in Canada. Um, I mean, my my hiking is almost exclusively in Western Canada. Um, just I'm very fortunate where I live. I'm about a four hour drive from Jasper National Park and about a four and a half hour drive from Banff National Park. And then there's a couple of provincial parks and public land areas in between the two. And yeah, that's, that's where I spend most of my time. Um, like I've, I've been hiking Jasper and Banff since I was, oh, 16, 17. So, I mean, we're looking, you know, almost, well, yeah, 20 years hiking just those areas. And I mean, I haven't, I don't even think I've come close to hiking everything in those parks yet. Um, I mean, you, you get out more like Eastern Canada, it's a lot more flatland hiking, but I mean, if you want like the, you know, the gorgeous Rockies views, yeah. Alberta is where it's at. Yeah. So Jasper and, and Banff, uh, yep. it's, it's kind of your, your, your Alpine lakes, oh, uh, yeah. high peaks, forests. Yeah. You get a little, you get a little bit, a little mix of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, every, Every trail, like I'm sure, you know, for you guys hiking the mountains down in the States too, you guys always probably start out, you know, low in the valley. You got to walk through some trees to get above tree line. And once you get above tree line, it, all that, you know, crappy uphill in the trees becomes worth it. That's what a lot of our, a lot of our trails are here. Um, I mean, some have, you know, a longer stretch of forest till you get some views, but for the most part, it's it's not too hard to find some pretty pretty epic views up here you know if you're if you're into alpine lakes and do fishing and that kind of stuff it's yeah, it's tough to beat now maddie you just made me think of another another question i could ask as part of the hiking pool that'll help me 
suss out uh, the crazies. And that is, yep. is it better above or below the tree line? Uh, hiking wise, I like hiking above the tree line. I prefer camping below tree line. Again, with the um, qualified answer, you got, you have a very nuanced uh, perspective. I like it. I, I, I love the views of hiking above tree line, but uh, you know, I mean, I guess at times like camping, camping above tree line can be nice, but it means that I'm not sleeping in my hammock. So it's just never, it's just never going to be as good. Like I, I, I found plenty of, plenty of awesome spots to pitch my hammock next to some nice Alpine lakes with trees. But you know, I, it's, I guess it's, it's give or take. If yeah, I, I, li- I like hiking above the Alpine though. That's, you can't beat that. Yeah. If you're above tree line, that means you're, you're sharing the bug net with, with Wanda the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Exactly. And I'm nowhere near as comfortable and probably grumpy in the morning. So does she snore? Uh, no, she rolls around from time to time though. She likes to like, she'll lay, she'll roll like flat on her back and stick her paws straight up in the air. So I'll wake up and I'll just feel this like poking in my, like my butt cheek or whatever. Mm-hmm. The hell's going on? I put my hand down. She's just passed out, paws right up, poking me. Now, Maddie, that's, that's how I sleep. That's why I prefer the quilt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just pop the arms out the side. A little I, like, I like, I like the awkward silence right there. That was great. That was good. <laughs> 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 all right you me off guard a little bit with that one <laughs> yeah i caught you i caught you okay <laughs> all right hey let's talk about uh your latest project which is your you've been section hiking the great divide trail yeah it's uh it's been a kind of an ongoing process over the years um yeah i i, I started with a with a good friend a number of years ago um we were buddies in high school and, you know, we both just loved hiking and it was like all we wanted to do for the longest time was just hike. You know, we would, we would take our, like take summers off and, you know, we'd work all winter and ask for a layoff in the summer and we'd take the whole summer off and, you know, like live in the back of cars and live in the back of vans and kind of do that dirt bag life and just hike everywhere. And we had like talked about like through hiking the great divide at one point. And let's, and tell, let's kinda, tell our listeners who aren't maybe not aren't familiar with the Great Divide Trail. You know what are the statistics on that? How long is the trail? What are the uh, the terminal it's like, points? It's I want to say it's like just over nine hundred miles, so it's not like super long. Um, the Great Divide, if you're starting, if you're going to go northbound, it starts where the CDT ends at Waterton Park in Canada, okay. and then it finishes uh, there. Well, I guess there's a couple different terminuses that people end at um the kind of the i don't know if you call it like the the real one is at kakwa lake in british columbia just like a very very remote lake um like the i've, I've never actually been to kakwa lake but i've heard like even the road driving into it it's this like old bumpy forestry road that like you need a a raised four by four to get to so like yeah you're not going to get to it in a car um that kind of turns a lot of people off um, a lot of people will end the hike at Mount Robson, which is sort of like the, if you had to say, like, if, if someone was going to come to Canada and do one backpacking trip, like you had like, you know, between three to seven days to do one backpacking trip, like almost everyone would suggest that you do the hike to Berg Lake. It's just, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And mm-hmm. the great divide right before like you, you kind of come to a fork and you hit this 
trail in Jasper called the North Boundary Trail. And you can hang a right and go to Cackle Lake, or you can hang a left and you can end at Mount Robson. So that's kind of where some people will finish up there. Got it. So if- there. I think it, I think it shaves like a hundred, not quite a hundred miles off the hike. It might be a hundred. I'm I've never actually looked at the logistics of going that road. Like to me, I've wanted to do the section from Jasper to Cackle Lake to kind of like complete the end of it. And then I, I would like to go down to Waterton. I mean, it's, it's just a drive for me to get mm-hmm. down to Southern Alberta and kind yeah. of go that route. But I, I did a quick search before we got on here and found out that the great divide trail officially is, is 1,123 kilometers, yeah. which is about 700 miles. Oh, well, I was off. I thought it was longer. I'm just, I'm just doing the, the calculation that oh. for our, for our American listeners yeah. out there from uh, 1123 to 700, at least that's what, that's what the Google said. So we'll, we'll go with that. And if you're on the CDT and you're heading North and you get to Waterton park, you would then, is it, do you hang a left and head West towards British Columbia? I believe you just keep going straight North, straight North. I've never actually, like I've never actually been down and seen the terminus at Waterton. So I'm not actually sure like you would go you would technically go left to head into british columbia but i believe the trail starts going north and then cuts into Got british it. columbia yeah yeah eventually it's going to take you it's going to take you west and you're going to end up uh, in british columbia yeah Got it. exactly okay and yeah. so uh, of those 1123 kilometers how, how many do you think you've you've done already i'm sitting at about 850 of them so far oh wow nice yeah i I mean that's not like not in one continuous stretch Mm -hmm. um there there's been like some sections i've done like pieces of it like there's there's a couple spots on some sections where like you can ride a trail in off the highway and then you know connect on to the great divide continue on and then kind of do like a kind of a mini loop that way so Mm -hmm. i've done i've done portions of the trail that way i've done some sections just straight through like on the you know the six day the six day section and um, there's lots of there's a bunch of alternates too that's kind of one of the cool things about the great divide like they they call it the wildest through hike because there's there's some sections where you'll get uh like you know like there's road walks like in most through hikes and they've found alternate routes where you'll kind of go up and do a lot of ridge walking and a little bit of off-trail scrambling and route finding and that kind of stuff so and then a couple of the alternates and those are always they're always epic like you're just walking across mountain ridges for kilometer after kilometer it's pretty mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. now i know we might have some listeners out there who may be unfamiliar with section hikes they may think you know there's day hiking and then there's you know through hiking there's the whole enchilada yeah. uh, help me define for our for those those listeners what, you know, what is a section hike what is section hiking the the great divide trail how does that work so I guess I've always seen section hiking as, I mean, if, if you're looking at a trail like the great divide as the through hike um, for, for us here doing the great divide, like the sections are mostly broken up by your town stops. Like I'm sure most of the sections on like the PCT or the AT. So to me, I've always kind of defined a section hike as doing a portion of the great divide from one town to the next, or, I guess one resupply location to the next resupply location. That's I, I don't you're, know if I don't know if I hit it on the head or not, but absolutely, you're just you're just you're breaking it down into sections and hiking it one section at a time. Exactly. It's, not, it's not one continuous, 
you know, four yeah. month journey. It's, it's uh, what you can, what you can work into your schedule, which I think yeah. is a lot more appealing and uh, achievable by most folks. I mean, most folks can't take off, you know, three, four or five months to hike a, a thousand mile plus or a 700 mile uh, through hike. No. And the, like the one part too, that kind of has always made me leery of like doing the full great divide as a through hike is um, like the permit system that we have to follow. So our, our permits are a lot more difficult to obtain up here in Canada. Like from my understanding, if you're going to do the PCT, you can just get a permit to hike the PCT. And I, I'm assuming it's probably the same for the AT, but up here, like there's no, there's no one permit to do the great divide. So you have to have, anytime you're camping in a provincial park or a national park, you have to have a campsite booked. So you have to have your site booked for that specific day. And it's, it's booking windows. So like our national parks booking windows now, they start in January and it books for the whole year. So you've got people trying to book for the national park. And then, so you're going to, you know, say come through Jasper national park. If you're going South Brown, you'll go through Jasper national park and then you'll go through like a wildland section You'll hit like a little section through Banff National Parks. So you've got to book separate permits for Jasper, separate permits for Banff. Then you get into like, you know, you're going into like an Alberta provincial park and those have a 90 day booking window. So you've got 90 days before you're going to start, before you're going to hit that, you have to know what day you're going to hit there. Try and book that to match because you've got national park bookings coming days ahead of that too. So it can be, it can be a nightmare trying to book permits. Have you ever have you ever seen the Zach Galifianakis meme with the formulas going in front of his face as he's he's uh I think it's a scene from, from the hangover. That's, that, that's pretty that, much what it that's pretty much what it is. Like I, I, I had two smokes. friends who I had two good friends. Um I don't know if you know Justin Outdoors and Jesse from Backcountry Forward. Um, I've heard I've heard, of I've heard of Justin Outdoors, yeah. Yeah, Justin's a good buddy of mine. Um he did the Great Divide Trail last summer, as did my buddy Jesse. And, you know, we, we, the three of us have a group chat. We, we talk quite regularly and it was like mind boggling watching the planning that these two put in just to get all their permits set in place. And, you know, like they had like friends that were logging into computers to try and book permits. And like, it's yeah, booking hiking trails in the national parks up here in Canada is an absolute gong show at times. Yeah. There's a, there are a couple of trails. There are a couple of trails, probably more than a couple, but a couple that I'm familiar with uh, down here in the States that are similar. You know, the trans Catalina trail is only, it's only like 38, yep. 38 miles and you have to book each campsite individually. Right. And same yep. thing with the wonderland trail. You have to, you have to book each campsite uh, on that trail as well. That's only about, I think a hundred miles maybe. Uh, but to, to try and have to book 700 miles worth of individual campsites. I mean, that is, that's ludicrous. Do I have to talk to the prime minister about this? Who do we talk to? Uh, Yeah, you you can try talking to, talking to old Justin Trudeau. You can have fun with that one. (laughs) (laughs) There's gotta be a way to simplify that. Holy smokes. It, yeah, it's, it's an absolute mess. Like it's, there's, I don't know. it, It like, it seems like it gets dumber every single year. Like the, the system used to be awesome it used to be just easy and painless and it's just, I, I, I don't know if it's just like hiking is just becoming more popular. I mean, this is probably a part of it, but it just, it just seems like their booking system is ridiculous. Yeah. I have to be honest when you, when you said that it was, it's more complicated than down here in the States, I almost rolled my eyes because, you know, there's a, a lottery system down here and, yep. and you know, you, some people 
they enter every day in the lottery and they don't, they don't end up getting it. And so I was going to say, yeah, I don't think it's more complicated or, or more confusing, but you, <laughs> you changed me of that, that uh, mindset oh. it is absolutely more confusing. Like I, I remember um, a group of friends, I, I didn't end up making it on the hike, but we were trying to plan out um, to do the skyline trail in Jasper, which is like, if it easily in the top three backpacking trips to do in Alberta, it's absolutely amazing. Um, I, I've done it a couple times and I had a group of friends who've never done it before. So we were trying to book it last year and it's because it's one of the most popular trails. It books up so fast and we had four computers going and all of us on our phones as well. Um, my one friend got through was just about to go pay and the system crashes. And we were like, we were logged on there. I was logged on there on my phone and on my laptop for four and a half hours and didn't get through. He was on for five, gets through right when he goes to pay, the system crashes. Now, somebody who walks in and sees you guys in the process of doing that, they might think that you're trying to get Justin Bieber tickets. I mean, this is this, yeah, this pretty is, much should, shouldn't be this difficult to get hiking Honestly, tickets. I think, I think it would be easier to get Justin Bieber tickets than to get permits in the national parks up here at times it's ridiculous yeah. did you see what but, i did there I, I know that justin yep. bieber's canadian so i threw that i threw that in there Un- unfortunately he is yep oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so you've got 850 of the uh 1123 kilometers what, what are the yep. plans to to finish uh i guess just get myself to the point where i can where I can logistically, I think logistics is probably what's holding me back the most now. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be a few years now with, with your yeah, latest edition. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's just logistics. Um, just getting, getting to the point where I, I've got the ability to, to step out for, you know, 10 days at a time or whatever to go and do those last couple sections. But I mean, it, if, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it's, I'm, I'm not going to like, it's not gonna be one of those things that eats away at me. You know, I mean, there, there's always trails to go and hike. I guess that's kind of the one thing I've been fortunate with and blessed to live pretty close to endless amounts of trails. You know, I mean, I can, it's, like, it's good. I, I have it's, maps all over my walls that I, like, I, see I that. color in that like all the green lines, that's all trails that I've hiked. I mean, there's tons of trails on all of them that I haven't hiked yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's no shortage of trails to hike, but I mean, I, I would like to get those done. It's good to have goals and to have something to look forward yep. to. It doesn't have to happen next year or even in five years or 10 years. I mean, uh, I'd like to hike the PCT. I got that to look forward to. So, yeah. Well, the, if, if I was going to do one through hike in the States, I think it'd be the PCT. Like that's what I do. Cause I know that I, I know that it can be done with a hammock. <laughs> that's, that's the criteria. If it can yep. be done with a hammock, but you, you, I could, honestly, you could do the AT, I, you could do the AT with a hammock and then they call it the green tunnel. You know, I, I'm probably going to get crapped on for saying this, but like for all the through hikes in the States, I I've, I've watched videos of them and I've seen pictures of them. I don't understand the draw of the AT, honestly. Like when you say like the green tunnel, I'm just like, this is like a 3000 mile forest walk. Why would anybody do this? Like it, like it's, it's me. I don't know. Like maybe it's, maybe it's because I'm like a Western Canadian boy and I like, you know, have spent a good chunk of my life living in like the Rocky mountains. And like, maybe I'm spoiled when I say that, but like, like, I don't know, like the AT seems like the most popular through hike. I mean, maybe it's just the, the Facebook groups that I'm a part of or whatever, but 
Like, it seems like it's the most well-known popular through hike and it's kind of boggles my mind a little bit. Yeah. You're not the first guest to say that. Uh, it's, you either love the AT or you hate the AT. I don't think there's any middle ground. In fact, I was talking with Mac from halfway anywhere. Great uh, online resource for, for through hiking the, the PCT and the CDT. And, uh, I asked him, he had done both, both, both of those long trails. I said, Hey, any interest in becoming a triple crowner and doing the AT says no way. He has no desire whatsoever to hike the AT. And, And I've talked to other people who swear by the AT. I mean, that, that is their favorite. They will, they will die on that Hill. That is the, the best American long trail there is. That those people typically they, they grow up around that trail. They go they grow yeah. up in, in the Smokies or uh, up in Vermont or or somewhere uh, near the trail, and they've just grown up with that in their their background. I guess like if I, I guess if that was the case, I could see the draw to it. I mean, to me, like it's it's been the Rockies is kind of what I've experienced my whole sort of time outdoors. Like I mean, like when I was living up north, I lived right on a mountain. You know, I mean, you, you had to drive kind of up and around the mountain to get to our house. So that was kind of my first experience with it. And then I moved back here and it's four hour drive for me. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Now, typically your section hikes, are they three to four days? Are they five to five to eight? Are they 10 days plus? Most of the sections that I've done, I did them in about seven. That was kind of the pace that we were working out on those. Mm-hmm. And in seven yeah, days, how much ground would you cover? Uh, anywhere from about 180 to 240 kilometers. So there's some, some big days. I mean, I, I was like, I, I was in my early to mid twenties when the bigger, the kind of the 240 kilometer sections happened. I was in much better shape than I am now. Right now. Are you, because of my earlier comment, you're deliberately not doing the conversion for us. Uh, yeah, I guess my, my distances are a little off here. So <laughs> about 140, 150 miles. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, we'll go with that. We'll okay. go with that. You, you say it with, <laughs> you say it with confidence, people are going to believe you. So that's, that's, that's what we do. Uh, right. If I, if I'm anything, it's confident. <laughs> and any moments out there on the trail where you thought, what have I gotten myself into? Why am I out here? Uh, yeah. Um, obviously one of the, the biggest concerns people have when it, when they think about hiking in the Rockies up here in my neck of the woods is bears. Um, I, I get it. Bears are big. They can be scary. Um, I've probably, probably close to a hundred. If, if it's not a hundred, I'd be surprised bear encounters in the last 20 years of hiking. Um, I I've, I've had two that legitimately have me shaking. I mean, I may have, may have pooped my pants getting charged by a grizzly bear. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was solo. Um, I was hiking this trail called the Tonquin Valley in Jasper. And I was coming up this section towards this camp called switchback. And I was doing a huge section of switchbacks. I just decided to crush this hill in one go. And I got to the top and I was pretty gassed. You know, you get to the hill and you kind of head is down. I was, and I look up, man, there's literally a 650 pound grizzly bear about 20 feet away from me standing in the middle of the trail. Like I was, I was so bad coming up the hill. I did not even notice him ahead of me. And I stood there and he looked at me and he huffed at me and just came like screaming towards me. And like 
when he turned it, cause grizzly bears bluff charge quite a bit. And when he, when he got there and he turned, like he was close enough, I could smell him. It was, I, I didn't even have the reaction time to get my bear spray out. Like I, I carry my bear spray. I just put it like the, the little chat, the little thumb hole on my bear spray. I just put my chest strap through there. So it hangs right here all the time. And I didn't even have a chance to get the trigger guard off my bear spray. Like, it was that quick. Wow. Um, and, and what, what day of the, the trip was this? Uh, this was day two. Day two. So I was going to ask if, if maybe he turned away because he smelled you. Yeah. Nope, that, that'd nope. probably be if you're like day six or seven, he might've, you know, might've been, that might've been the case. You know, I, uh, I actually, I, I tend to actually smell pretty good on a trail. I take the owner with me. I can't, I can't do the, I can't do the, like embrace the stink thing. I know like my, my friends all think it's ridiculous, but like, I just melt deodorant into a chapstick tube and I carry a little bit of deodorant with me. It's just the, just a one little nuance thing that I just have to do. I just, I can't stand the smell of myself. Maddie. Now I've got, I've got this image in my mind of you chapsticking your underarms. That just doesn't, that doesn't work for me. It, it happens, man. <laughs> that's just the way it is. I, I get chirped for it all the time. My friends, my friends make fun of me for it, but uh, it's just kind of one of those things. It's just how I roll. There's a trail name in there somewhere, but I don't know what it is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure something will come to you. Now you said two bear encounters. That was, that was one Did he just, he, he, he turned off and, and yeah, went the he other turned way. and charged and yeah, he bluff charged me and went the mm -hmm. other way. Um, okay. I stood there for a few minutes collected myself and changed my underwear and kept going um the second one i was i was out with a friend uh i don't even remember exactly where we were um just hiking along we had this river on the one side of us and we're always making noise like you know i mean i, I hike in prime grizzly territory all the time so it's you know like the the training with wanda that's the primary reason why is you know i, I don't want a dog that's going to run off and attract bears um, but yeah, we were just hiking along this river and just kind of heard commotion off in the trees. And I looked up and my buddy was just like, Oh shit. Oh shit. And I looked up and big grizzly coming through the trees, got to just about the edge of the trees and turned the other way. And thankfully, cause I really had nowhere to go. It's either deal with this grizzly or I'm jumping 20 feet off the side of this ledge into the river. So that was a good time. But I mean, most, most times like every, it, those two times pretty much the only time I really had a bear encounter where you really saw more than just the bear's ass and going the other way. Like even, even grizzlies for the most part, if they know you're there, they don't really want a whole lot to do with you. They just kind of get out of the way. It's when you surprise them. Yep. Yeah. Now what is the more, more dangerous animal up there in Canada? Is it the bear or the moose, the grizzly or the moose? <sighs> that depends on who you ask. That, that's a tough one. Like in, in the rut, I don't know, man, I, I would not want to come across a moose in the rut. That would be, that'd be pretty terrifying. Um, I mean, a, a female grizzly with cubs and you're standing in the middle of the herd and the cubs that, yeah, that, that thought scares me quite a bit. Well, I guess not scares me, but you know, you're, you're cognizant of it, mm -hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, until you like see like actually see a moose out in the wild and just see how like freaking massive they are like i mean like when i lived up north like it was not uncommon to see guys drag in like a 1500 pound moose or bigger you wow, know like 
Yeah. Like they are a massive freaking animal. Yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with, with bears, I mean, what is the advice you, you come up on a bear and you surprise a bear accidentally? Do you make yourself look big? Do you make noise? What, what, uh, you want to, you, you want to make yourself, yeah. You want to make yourself big. I mean, if you've got a group of people with you, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody get together, kind of spread out, make noise, speak calmly. That's, you know, that's always kind of helped. Like if, I've, I mean, I've had a couple times where usually it's like a kind of an adolescent grizzly, like they're not huge and you come across them and they kind of watch you for a bit, like kind of like inquisitive, you know, just, I mean, yeah, just stay calm. Like don't run. That's the worst thing you can do. That's going to, you know, incite their prey drive. Right. Um, bear spray. That's yeah. That's, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I believe in bear spray. I'd, I'd carry a bear spray over a gun any day if I had the choice. Yeah. So I've, I've heard lots of advice about bears how to deal with bears that I've, I've not heard yep. any advice on how to, how to deal with a moose. Is there a specific tried and true strategy in dealing with a, a moose out there? Uh, I think it's just cross your fingers and hope for the best. That's why I think the moose like, is, the, is the more dangerous animal. I've uh, yeah. My, my mom is a, an ER nurse and she, she lives just outside of Jasper. And, you know, I've, I've, I've heard stories of the, just like moose hitting vehicles and stuff, but just the, the sheer size and power of them. man. like, like my dad used to do auto body repair and I, I worked summers for him and, you know, we used to get vehicles in all the time and like the roof was completely torn off these cars. I was like, holy, these are the jaws of life on this. Dad's like, no, like a moose kicked the shit out of this car and the hood, like the whole roof came off. That, that is a yes. great, that's a great image. Uh, your mom's a, a nurse and dad's auto body. I think it, they yep. could probably be telling uh, different versions of the same story. They come home from work and say, Oh, you won't believe what I saw. And he, he's talking Pretty about the, the remnants of the car and your mom's talking about the remnants of the, of the guy. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> All right. Hey, what, uh, what, let, let's talk about your YouTube channel. Okay. It, uh, it got some great content on there. What can people expect to, to find if they tune into the Maddie Outdoors YouTube channel? Uh, probably, probably a lot of uh, my, my ranting and ramblings. Um, I'm, the last couple of years, I've kind of made the transition into more like getting into ultralight backpacking and just shaving weight out of my pack and not carrying unnecessary things. So just a lot of I guess kind of a lot of tips and, you know, like talk a lot about my transition from literally carrying like a, you know, 40 pound base weight to, you know, down to 12 pounds. Um, I hike with my dog a lot. So are you drilling holes in your toothbrush? Not quite, but I have, uh, I, I definitely have cut the end off my toothbrush and my toothbrush is about that big now. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about two inches for those, for those people listening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've trimmed my toothbrush down. Um, yeah, I just cut out a lot of redundant weight out of my pack. And that's kind of been a big thing for my channel is just kind of, you know, showing people a weight like, I guess, like carrying less weight, but still staying comfortable and still having some luxuries with you mm-hmm. and just kind of, kind of finding that middle ground for you. Whereas like what you need or what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you said like, you rant, I, you said you rant on there. What, what's your favorite rant? Oh, that's tough to say. I have a lot of, I have a lot of things I like ranting about. Um, Americans. I, I could, 
No, usually it's like, usually it's backpacking gear that I don't understand um, or just can't stand. Like mm-hmm. I, I could probably shoot like a four hour video on why I think a jet boil is like the worst investment for anyone to ever buy when it comes to backpacking gear. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I should have asked that question early on. We could have, we could have put the whole episode on that. <laughs> uh, it's, it, to me, it's like, it's just, it's a, like for the weight of it and the bulk it takes up in your pack and all it does is boil water. Whereas you could go and you could spend a third of the money, get yourself a Tokes titanium pot, a BRS stove and like 60 fuel cans for the price of a jet boil. It's going to do the same thing. It's going to boil water. But when your stove runs out, you can put your titanium pot on the fire. You can't do that with a jet boil pot. You can't simmer with a jet boil pot. I just, I don't know. I, I have a couple of friends who like their jet boils and it just kind of started like one night sitting around the fire. I just, you know, might've, might've got a little too into my rants and it just kind of became a thing and they thought it was pretty funny. And I just kind of brought it to the channel. Nice. That almost sounds like a pro tip, Maddie. Yeah, exactly. Stay away from the jet boil. <laughs> It's a single use device. It's like uh, yep. this, this, this younger generation, you ask them about a watch and they're like, well, is it just exactly a, it only tells time. It's the only thing it does. Yeah. Yep. I, I want something that does lots of different things. Multi-use devices. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. All right. Um, yeah. I, I hike with my dog a lot. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, hiking with dog content on there. Um, I kind of do like, you know, like most backpackers on YouTube, we do gear load oats. I do gear load oats for my dog. You know, a lot of people are really interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from anything from day hikes to, you know, five to six day multi-day backpacking trips. I kind of show like everything she carries. I talk a lot about why she carries it. Um, I talk a lot about, like I mentioned before, like just items that I carry for her, like stuff in the first aid kit and that kind of stuff. So I've, I put a lot of thought into that. Um, like, yeah, the hiking with Wanda is kind of a big thing on the channel. She's kind of a, she's almost like a celebrity all in herself. You know, like, like I'm, I'm sure like most people that do videos on YouTube, you, you'll get recognized on trail from time to time. And for me, it's like 95% of the time when I like, I, I get spotted quite a bit out in the areas I hike. Um, usually like people using my videos for trip research and that kind of thing, trail research. So I, I get recognized quite a bit, which is like weird to me because I'm a bit of an introvert, but uh, it's, it's usually Wanda that people recognize first. It's like, oh my God, is that Wanda? Yeah, my dog's name is Wanda. Can I get a picture with her? Okay. It sounds like she needs her own YouTube channel, Hiking with Wanda. I should. I should. I just, I don't have the time for a second channel. <laughs> I hardly have enough time for my own channel right now. I was glad to squeeze a little bit of time with you tonight. So that's great. Yeah. All right. Hey, what's, what's next for Maddie? What's, what's the next adventure? Oh, man. Life itself is the next big adventure. Um, I, I'm really hopeful. I'm crossing my fingers that we can work something out and I would love to get my son out on a backpacking trip next summer. Um, you know, even something really short, like we're only going to go five or six kilometers in. Um, I just, yeah, that would be, that'd be big. Um, obviously got to wait till winter's done. So hopefully a couple winter trips, I was supposed to get on a winter trip. I was supposed to get home from a winter trip yesterday, actually, but mm-hmm. uh, I had to pull the plug on that. The little guy's going through this sleep regression thing where he doesn't want to nap and doesn't want to sleep at night. And he's just driving my fiance crazy. So I decided it would be the responsible dad thing and stay home and help out with that team player. So nice. Hopefully I'm a, hopefully on my next set of days off, get out and 
get some some cold air in my lungs and okay yeah Great. that's that's what's next i guess just okay you know keep going keep hiking and try and get the little guy into it nice i interviewed a superhero who was a okay. six-year-old that i met on the john muir trail who was who went to the top of mount whitney as a six-year-old that's awesome so, yeah so that's awesome start them early yeah okay hey maddie you know where we are where are we we're at that time of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip inside of the week. What, uh, what bit of trail wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? Uh, if you're looking to make your outdoor experience better, uh, a lot of it is starts with gear and it doesn't have to be brand name gear, but just finding ways to make your gear multi-purpose. Um, like a super easy piece of gear. I, I should have it sitting on the ground somewhere here beside me, but I, I have a pile of gear next to me right here. Cause I, like I said, I was getting ready for a trip. Um, uh, Thermara Z seat is one I use or any kind of little foldable sit pad. There's just, there's so many different functions you can use it for like something to sit on. Um, they work really great for like fanning a fire. So, you know, you don't have to carry one of those little like bellows things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if you're someone who hammock camps, you know, you can go with a shorter underquilt and you can put your, sit pad in the foot box of your top quilt and put your feet on there. So, you know, you can shave a little bit of weight that way. Um, just uh, finding ways to make your gear serve more than one purpose. It's going to, it's going to limit the amount of stuff you're carrying. And I, I find that the less way to have on my back, the more enjoyable my time is on trail. Like I think a lot of people who are okay carrying a really heavy backpack are only focused on the time they get to camp. And I trust me, I love my time in camp. Like I, I go near ultralight backpacking, but I still carry like a foldable saw. You know, we have, we have fires every night and, you know, we, we sit around, you know, we'll, you know, have a drink or two or whatever, you know, but I, I still, you know, that that's part of the reason why, right. I, I like being comfortable out on trail, but I also like enjoying my time on trail. Like I, I enjoy the time hiking and I, I find it's more enjoyable when you carry a little bit less weight on your back. Now, do you use multi-use alcohol? Is this alcohol that you can use for your stove and to, to imbibe? Uh, no, no, I, I'm, I'm not that brave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Maddie. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Maddie, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures and all of your hiking trips with Wanda? Uh, You guys can find me on YouTube. Uh, If you just search up Maddie O'Doors on YouTube, uh, same with Instagram and Facebook. Um, Yeah, I, I post quite a bit on Instagram. I do like the Instagram stories and that kind of thing. So if you're interested in, you know, my day-to-day life and that kind of stuff. And you want to see little funny videos of my seven and a half month old running around doing that kind of thing. That's on the Instagram, but uh, hiking content is pretty much all on YouTube. Okay. What about, what about a TikTok? You got a TikTok? I, I refuse to do the TikTok route. That's, that's not for me. I'm a little too old for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. I'm glad you said that because remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And Uh-oh. if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmuir at gmail.com. Maddie, I'm also looking for you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of outdoor uh, media, outdoor adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trail. What do you, what do you have for us? Oh man, I, I got a bunch of them. Like I, I've, I have like fallen in love with a lot of these sort of like outdoor documentary films. Um, 
you know, like free solo is awesome. Um, the Dawn wall is really good. Um, Meru is another one that's really good. It's like mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Chin and Conrad anchor. And then uh, I just recently watched uh, um, the 14 peaks. Yes. That was called. Yep. Yeah. That was so good. Um, yeah. You, you really cannot go wrong with any of those. They are amazing to watch and it's just going to give you that itch and make you want to get outside. Yeah. All of those are excellent recommendations. Have you watched Valley uprising? I have not, oh, but I will check out Valley uprising. That's, that's a good one. Um, also McConkie. I think McConkie is going to come out again on, I don't know if it's Netflix or if it's uh, Amazon prime it was made probably about 10 years ago, but uh, a really interesting story there. And did you watch the Alpinist? I have. Yes. Yeah. That's another good one. Yeah. That's another good one. Yeah. Okay. And so the Alpinist is about a Canadian too. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't bring that one up. I, I thought like that I was, that was in country. your wheelhouse. Yeah. I feel like I failed my country here. <laughs> All right. Hey, and Maddie, before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? Oh, well, you you haven't asked me how good Connor McDavid actually is. And I can tell you guys, he is that freaking good. He's hands down the best hockey player in the world. Wow. That is, that's, that's, that's high praise. (laughs) It is. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like we talked about a lot. We covered a lot of ground. We, we, we talked a lot of hockey. We talked a lot of talked a little bit about dad life. We talked a lot of hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we talked about a lot. Got it all in. All right. Yeah. That is a wrap from the John Freaky Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Maddie? Um, I'll give shout outs to my buddies Justin and Jesse that I mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, I love you guys. Hope we get on a trip with you guys soon. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if there's a grizzly bluff charging you at the end of a steep incline. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.